Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. So good to see everyone here gathered today. Today we're starting a brand new series, and as we head into this new season, we're calling this series Start Here, because I don't know if you're like me, I'm ready for a fresh start, are you? I'm ready for a fresh start in so many ways, and so many times as we come through this, we, we find ourselves that we're needing, uh, when we find ourselves lost, like if you've ever gone backpacking or hiking and found yourself lost, the first thing that you need to do to get to where you're going is you need to realize where you are, amen? I went to the, I was thinking about it as I was preparing about this, you know, one of the times that I was the most scared lost was when I was in elementary school. And our, our school, like everything, it was in the northeastern Canada up in Newfoundland, and our school was surrounded by woods. And so being kids, we had all these trails that we built going out that we would go out there for recess in the morning, we'd go out there over lunch. And so one day, my friend and I thought we would, we would just do a little bit of bushwhacking during our 15-minute recess, because that's plenty of time, right? So we go back, and we go out, and we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves lost, and... And in the middle of that, the first thing that we had to do in order to get out of that situation is we needed to know where we are. And for us to find that, you know, we're elementary kids, but we're used to the woods. We were, uh, I'm not going to say we cried, even though we did, but after we went through that, we found a stream and we're like, you know, I think this is the stream that runs by our school. And we followed that stream and we got, found our way back. And my prayer with this series is that this would be a stream that will lead you once again to the voice of God, because COVID has been brutal. COVID has been brutal, and even it's been explained that one commentator said that, you know, we've, that yes, we've all been in this same storm, but many of us, we've been in a different boat in this storm. You know, as we look at it, even as we look to the business world, there were some companies that, using that storm analogy, some, comp- some companies were, were, were in a yacht that just battled the storms very well, because there were companies that COVID was very, very kind to them. But there there were many people that found themselves in a storm just clinging to a life preserver in the same storm, but a very different experience. And so as we head into this new season, my prayer is that we would look to, to Jesus because the good news of Jesus is that no matter where we've been, no matter where we find ourselves, is that the starting line is always waiting for us because his mercies are new every day. I love that about the gospel, that no matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter, for many of us, many have dropped, even, even dropped out of the race, but new race signups are always ready for us, amen? Amen. I, went, I finally got to go backpacking, I did a three-day backpacking trip, and uh, I'm very sore today, <laughs> but I'm very thankful, because it was a step getting back into a way that refilled us, so I pray that this will refill you today. So as we do this today, I invite you to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and we're going to look at this, and I'm going to paraphrase those first 15, uh, 15 verses, because as we look at this, in John 21, we read about, about how this is after the resurrection of Jesus, and Peter and some of the disciples, they were by the sea, and Peter being a fisherman, he decided, I'm going to go fishing. You know, Peter was very frustrated at this point, lots going on, so he went to something he knew. 
And much like as what has happened to me before, they fished all night and they caught nothing. See, back in those days, uh, the nets were not the nets that we have today with new technology where they're almost invisible in the water. The nets of those days were more visible, so they would often fish at night because it was more difficult for the fish to see because fish do not have night vision. I guess deep down they do, but these fish did not. So they fished all night, they caught nothing, and at daybreak, Jesus, he appeared to them on the shore, but they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who Jesus was. So Jesus called out to them. He said, do you have any fish? And they said, no, we don't, we don't have any fish. Thanks for asking. So Jesus went on and he said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find them. And so having caught nothing, they thought nothing to lose here. They cast the net on the right side of the boat. And for those of you who know the story, they ended up catching so many fish, more than they could even haul in. It's like, wow. And it was, it was in that moment that one of the apostles, John, he looked out and he said, that's Jesus. I recognize that. That's Jesus. And I love how it says that in that moment, Peter threw himself into the water. Don't you love that? In that moment, Peter, having just a disastrous night of catching nothing, Jesus shows up, put it on the other side of the boat. They catch more than they can haul in. He throws himself into the sea. He was so excited to see Jesus that he just couldn't wait. And then when they all got on the shore, they saw that Jesus had breakfast ready and waiting for them. One of the other things I love about Jesus, because Jesus, he loved to feed people, amen? How many are looking forward to lunch today? So let's pick this up. John 21, starting at verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this point, Peter's grieved. Peter's grieved. He's thinking about everything that's happened. And now Jesus with him, making a meal for him, making breakfast. He's grieving. He says, Jesus, you know that I love you. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says to him again, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. You know, as we look at this moment, and I think it's hitting me so personally so powerful this morning because I believe it's important to recognize that when Jesus found Peter in this moment, I believe that Peter felt like a failure. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just gotten to a moment and you just, and you just, you just feel like you've done everything you could do, that you just, you tried to do everything right and nothing's working. <laughs> you just feel like a failure. I'm eating healthy and I'm still gaining weight, God. What's happening here? <laughs> you know, any people identifying with my group today? All right. Just going back to donuts. Felt like a failure. See, failure is one of the most difficult feelings for us to deal with. You know, I think from a young age, especially in the day that we're in, we're told that you can do anything, anything you want to dream, anything you want to see, you can do it all. And, this, and there's a good side to this because it causes us to have dreams and it's good to have ambitions with the promise of success because we all want to win. And though success has its own challenges, often one of the greatest challenges for many, I think especially in this season, is it's dealing with that feeling of failure. 
feeling of failure. And then we go to Facebook, we go to social media, and we're like, well, all my friends, they're having catastrophic success. What's wrong with me? What's happening to me in this moment? And as we looked at Peter, I believe that Peter, he was overwhelmed with feelings of failure. See, Peter had a very bad month. <laughs> I mean, there were, when we look at the account of following Jesus, there was times, you know, there's the walking on the water, and there's the healing, and then there's the feeding of the 5,000, and all these wonderful things. But here in his recent history, we know that on the ninth that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus asked Peter just to go pray with me. Pray with me, Peter. And Peter fell asleep in less than an hour. When the soldiers came to take Jesus away, Peter didn't trust this plan, and he questioned Jesus on this plan of giving his life before. So Peter grabbed his sword, and he cut off the ear of a soldier, and Jesus rebuked him and said, Peter, put away your sword. This is not the way. Later that same night, Peter was asked if he was a follower of Christ. And just as Jesus predicted, three times he denied even knowing him, denying even to a little girl. And after Jesus was crucified and dies, Peter found himself, the one who said, I will never leave you. Though others forsake you, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. Jesus, Peter found himself running and hiding in fear for his life. See, Peter, he felt like he'd lost everything. So what does Peter do in the midst of feeling like a failure? Well, he returns to what he knows, right? He you know, essentially, he's, he's, he's quitting the ministry and he's returning to what feels more comfortable and more successful and what he's been equipped for. And this is fishing for him. See, Peter, he grew up in a fishing family. He grew up in a fishing town. And many would even say that he was born to fish. He probably even smelled like fish. He grew up doing this. He knew the people. He knew the technique. He knew the waters around him. And when you feel like you're failing, when you feel like you've stepped out, I think a lot of times, too, even when you feel like you're, you know, you're hearing God, you're following God, and you're stepping out, and you're doing these great things, and you step out, and it's not working anymore, the temptation is to pull back and say, well, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what I'm comfortable with, what I'm confident with. And for Peter, this meant fishing. See, one of the hardest things to deal with is the feeling like you're a failure, and this, quite honestly, this, this, this has been one, one of my biggest battles during COVID. One of my biggest battles during COVID. And, and I think so many pastors have felt this way because when COVID hit, so many pastors, they responded by, they ran to the front lines. And if you remember way back at the beginning of this thing when COVID was only supposed to last two weeks, remember that? We're going to wear masks, we're going to stay on for two weeks, and then we can all go back to Starbucks together. And then it went on and on and on. But in that moment... What so many pastors and what so many communities like ours did is we ran to the front lines. We moved all of our ministries online. We had online ministries going on. We reached out to our community. We reached out to the senior center across us. And we, 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 we had this community response team that was active and going, how can we help kids at home? How can we feed those in the community? How can we help those that are going through anxiety? And all of our services online, Sunday morning was online. We had a Wednesday morning coffee with Dwayne where we interviewed people. We had a Wednesday night prayer group that was going on. All of our groups went online. Pastor Kim got everybody connected in groups, and we had new people in. We had people from Saudi Arabia joining us and giving their life to Christ, and, and there was all these things happening. And though we're in lockdown, we're like, we're like, this is, you know, there was that excitement of we're reaching people, we're staying connected, that we can do this. But the when it started going on and on and on, people began growing tired. You know, worshiping online, that, that was fun at first. It was fun to gather around Pastor Dwayne's kitchen counter and see what's going to happen. <laughs> he plays a mean xylophone on Easter. I like that. But 
Then we entered a political season. And frustrations began to come up. Not just outside of the church, but inside of the church. We began to have wars over masks. We began to have wars over all the things going on. And, and I'm not talking about just Sherlock Community Church. I'm talking about churches across the nation. As every issue seemed to be a political issue. And as it relates to, to pastors, that when we have all these forums online and Facebook and emails and things that are going on and access that some of you may have seen and some of you may, may have not, but the typical response of many pastors is this COVID has been a gloves-off season, that if anybody had a gripe, this was their time to do it. This was their time to say it. This was the time to get it out. And it did. It was a gloves-off season. As many people felt free to share and to unload any gripe, any criticism, and it was often done online and publicly, and sometimes you had a chance to talk about it, and sometimes you did not. Heightened criticism often translated to people within the church withholding financial support, withholding ministry support, and often leaving the, the body of Christ, leaving communities that they were in. At one point, stats of leaving the ministry soared to over 1,600 pastors per month just opting out. Pastors have even been marketed to, to, to say, you know what, you're tired of pastoring, you're tired of the criticism, you would be a, a great project manager for this, or you'd be a great uh, organizer over here, and here's all this stuff. And I don't say that to kind of prop myself up today. So please don't hear that. Well, I say that to say that as we look at the body of Christ nationwide, as we look at things going on, that there are many pastors that are no longer serving in those positions for a variety of reasons. It's difficult. Some seasoned, some young pastors. You know, as I had lunch uh, I'm very fortunate to have some wonderful mentors that I'm still in relationship with. Very fortunate to have a wonderful board. Very fortunate to have a loving wife that's like, we've got this. We're, we, you know, we're, we're going to get, you know, the Lord is with us and walking through. As I met with Pastor Bob, you remember Pastor Bob? <laughs> you know, Pastor Bob's been a constant for me, and I, I got to have lunch with him uh, recently. And he said that, that how he spent most of his time during COVID was getting with young pastors who were ready just to step out. And it hasn't just been pastors. Families have been torn apart during this time. Inner relationships, close relationships, the amount of, the number of people in counseling for all pastors has just expanded exponentially because of the stress, because of so many things going on. And I believe this is where where, where, where Peter is in a, in a way where he's on the verge of just dropping out and he's saying, you know what, I just, I've blown it too much. And we've seen this during COVID, that there are, there are people that during COVID, they're like, you know what, I, I didn't really respond the way I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I would have responded better. And so many felt like they've blown it and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But here's the good news. And here's what I want us to hear today. Here's how Jesus responded to Peter. Jesus finds us in the midst of our failure. <laughs> that when you feel like a failure, when you feel like you're down, when you feel like it's all over, you know that Jesus, he actually runs to us? He runs to us. I love Benny Hester had this song back in the, way back in the 80s, you know, back when most of us had hair. And it's just, he had this song that he ran to me, and it's, this, and it's this song about how Jesus, in the middle of everything, when we feel at our lowest, he finds us. He runs to us. See, we want to run on a high, but Jesus, he runs to us because his response is different. In the middle of it, he runs to us, and he knew where to find Peter. 
Yes, he was the son of God, but he knew Peter would be fishing because he'd found them there before. See, Peter had another bad day fishing. When Jesus called Peter, he had a very similar experience where he had a bad day fishing. Jesus shows up and he calls him into ministry. So why does Jesus, why does he run to us in the middle of our failure? I believe Jesus runs to us in our failure because failure is a pivotal moment in our lives because this is where we're the most vulnerable. See, when you feel like you've done everything and it hasn't worked, then you're like, okay, I'm open to advice. Anybody have something different? I've tried everything. I've read everything. I've done anything. I'm open. I'm vulnerable. And this is where Jesus shows up. And I believe that Jesus shows up here because how we handle failure will often determine the rest of our lives the rest of our season, the way that we'll be carrying it out. See, when you feel like a failure, you're looking for someone to encourage you, for anything that looks to a win. When you're really hungry, you're willing to take food from anybody. That's why Convoy of Hope, one of our strategic mission partners, that when there's a storm hits, they want to be the first ones that are there, the first ones at the front line, because as it is in so many parts of the world that the first person that shows up with a bowl of rice wins. And not everybody holding that bowl, that bowl of rice has the best intentions for the person in front of them. When it's not somebody who knows Jesus showing up, so many children have been recruited as sex slaves because they were hungry, they were vulnerable, and the first person that showed up showed up to exploit them. And they got them for a bowl of rice. That's why it's so important that when we are vulnerable or when we see others who are vulnerable or we see those that are marginalized, that we run in the name of Jesus and say, I want to make sure that they experience the hand of Jesus reaching out through us to love them. Because we're vulnerable in those moments. Whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, it doesn't matter. We're vulnerable in those moments. Because we often think that failure is the end. But as it relates to Jesus, through Jesus, failure is an opportunity for a brand new beginning. And I love that about Jesus. His grace is always ready. I shared a story about a friend of mine that as we talked about the afterlife, we talked about heaven last week. And he said, you know, if everything that that you're sharing with me is true, then I am really messed up. Basically, he was saying, I'm eternally damned. There's no hope for me. But the good news I was able to say, but here's the thing. The moment you turn to Jesus, the moment you turn to him, he's ready and his grace is more than enough because he's a just God, but he's a merciful God and he will forgive you of everything and he will build your life and he will put you on a journey and a path like you've never seen before and your soul will feel life it's never felt before. See, failure is not the end with Jesus. With Jesus, it's an opportunity because now he's like, do I have your attention? Are you ready? Are you ready to listen and to respond? That's why it says in Scripture that when we are weak, he is strong. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about that. My power is made perfect in weakness. And he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So that's why for Christ's sake, I'll delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you imagine if everybody, even in the body of Christ, had that throughout COVID, that when I'm weak, when I'm in distress, when I'm persecuted, when there's insults and all of this, I'm going to boast about that because when I'm weak, that's when God shows up in my life and his power is manifested in me. That's the power of the gospel of Christ that no matter where you are, 
When we go through these hard times, when we go through these COVID-like times, a lot of times our weaknesses are brought out. There are people that have found victory through this, that there were things that were brought up, things that they went through that they weren't even aware of, that through this hard time, it came to the service, and they ran to follow followers of Christ. They ran to their group. They ran to pastors. They ran to those around them who knew Jesus and said, would you pray for me? And in the middle of this, they were strengthened. And some of you, you're still on that path of being strengthened, but step by step, day by day, God is working in your life. Every moment, step by step. Because here's the reality, before God can pour something new into us, the first thing that God has to do is he needs to empty us. If you're so full of yourself, there's no room for God. If I'm so full of myself, there's no room. If your bottle is full, is there room for the Holy Spirit in this? God will often empty us and reveal to us things that are getting in the way, things that we're leaning on. And it's often good things in our life, things that seem to be good. See, empty containers are ready to receive. So how did, how did Jesus respond to Peter and his failure? I think there's just a few little lessons here. The first thing that Jesus did was he blessed him. He didn't go, show up to Peter and say, Peter, you're failing at fishing again. What did he do? Now, the first thing that he did is he filled his net so heavy that he couldn't even pull it in. Think about that. He said, Peter, you're failing at that. There's no future here. Come follow me. He said, no. He showed up and he said, put it on the right side of the boat, Peter. See, what Jesus was saying to me, saying, saying, Peter, look, I'm your provider. Whether it's fishing, whether it's people, whatever you're into, whatever business you're into, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the source. I'm the source of blessing in all of this. If you'll just turn to me and look to me. He's saying, all these things are important. I'm your provider. But here's the thing we need to get a hold of that we've been talking about even all this past summer, that if Jesus doesn't provide it, then I don't need it. I only need what Jesus provides for me. Jesus is not just something I have on the side or something that I call to when I have a need or when I'm in a hard time. Jesus is the provider of everything in my life and he's Lord of everything in my life because he's either Lord of everything in my life or I position him as Lord of nothing in my life. He's not looking for a piece of us. It's a total surrender because he's God. He's worthy of that. He's deserving of that. And when we treat him any less, we're not serving the God who exists. We're serving the God that we've made up and we think is there. It's complete surrender. So the first thing that Jesus did, he, he blessed him. He's like, Peter, I care about what you're doing. I care about fish. But the second thing that he did is he welcomed him. When their net was filled with fish, it was then that Peter recognized him. See, Peter, he knew that Jesus was his provider, and he just needed that reminder. And this reminded him. So what did Peter do? In the midst of his failure, he threw himself into the sea, the Bible says. And he went to Jesus because he blessed him and then he welcomed him. And he welcomed him. Peter knew that he knew everything. He knew about the denial. He knew about him falling asleep. He knew about him cutting off a soldier's ear. And Jesus blessed him, affirmed the relationship, and he welcomed him. He said, Peter, you're still mine. You've not blown your leadership opportunity. You're not fired today, Peter. <laughs> I want you to get on board. He welcomed him. The third thing that he did is he fed him. 
See, feelings, feelings of failure, they make us exhausted. I mean, few things are more exhausting that, than emotional stress. Right? I, uh, even though today I'm very tired from backpacking, I know this, that I will one day be able to use my legs again. But emotional stress always takes longer to recover from. Isn't that true? When you feel like you're alone, when you feel like you're a failure, when you feel whatever those feelings are, anxiety, panic attacks, those things are very difficult to recover from. So what does Jesus do? He it gets very practical and he feeds him. He feeds him. See, meals are powerful. Meals were made to strengthen us. The same thing happened to Elijah when he was down and out and gone and running. First, the God, God fed him. He said, get some rest. Get some food in you. Our lives are our soul, but we're living in this body. God nourishes us. He feeds us. You know, that's why in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, what was one of the first things that the dad did for the son that went off and blew his inheritance and did everything that he knew would cause his dad to be filled with sorrow? He was waiting for the son. He came and he threw a big feast for him to feed, to welcome, to celebrate. This is what Jesus was doing. He wanted to make him feel welcome, so he blessed him, he welcomed him, he fed him. And I love this, and then he commissioned him. He commissioned him. I'm sure Peter felt like it's all over. All those things that you said about me, Jesus, I, I, I blew it. I forfeited it. Discouraged, beaten down, disqualified. But Jesus says to him, he says, essentially he says, you're not done yet. You're not done yet, Peter. You are yet to experience the journey that I have for you. He reinstates the words of you will accomplish even greater things, Peter. None of the things that you did disqualified, as long as you're willing to turn back to God. And he does this by asking him a question that takes Peter back. So in the middle of all of this, he finds him, he blesses him, he feeds him, he welcomes him, he does all those things. And in the, in the middle of this, then Jesus pulls him aside and says, Peter, do you love me? I mean, if I was Peter, I'm like, didn't we establish this already? I mean, do I love you? Of course I do. And it's a question that causes Peter to be grieved. And in that moment, I, I wonder if he's questioning, Jesus, you just welcomed me, you fed me. I thought, I thought we're getting back on the right road here. What's happening? Just do, you know, are you questioning my love for you? Or do you see something in me? Is there, is there something about me that's not showing that I love you? But see, here's what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was, Jesus was forgiving him. He was giving Peter a chance to profess his love for him. Jesus, he asked him three times. Peter had denied him three times. And now he was giving an opportunity to affirm his love for Jesus for each time that he denied him. Jesus, he knew that Peter loved him, but he knew that Peter needed an opportunity to be forgiven. See, our tendency as it relates to forgiveness and to confession is we want to rush through it and get it done. I'm sorry, you forgive me, we all good? All right, we're, we're great, let's, let's move on here. But Jesus, he's slowing this whole thing down. And he's slowing it down, not because he's trying to rub it in. Jesus, he's not like that. He, he doesn't rub things in our face. He doesn't rub our noses in things. He's giving Peter an opportunity to rub it out, to be set free. See, this is Peter making things right. 
Because for us, we're often, we're, we're not set free until we're able to deal with it. And he's saying, let's just get this all out of the way. You denied me three times. This is about you being set free in this moment. And I think that's a good lesson for us that as we look back, you know, we go to Jesus and yes, he forgives us, but Satan tries to come in to condemn us. Have you ever like asked for forgiveness for something? You've gone to the Lord and you know that Jesus has forgotten, has not forgotten you, he's forgiven you. But then your accuser keeps coming back and it's like, that's still there. Has that ever happened to you, anybody? Right? Those mind games that Satan tries to play in your heart? Jesus is coming to him and saying, let's, let's get this out. I, I know you love me, and I've forgiven you, but let's, let's empty this out. Let's get all this out of you, Peter. So he asks him three times. And he does it by redefining success for him. See, success for Peter before this moment looked like a conquering Messiah that came in, that took care of all of his enemies, that all those who opposed Jesus and didn't believe, we're just going to take care of them, we're just going to put them to the side. But now Jesus, he's redefining what success is because it's important to define the win, isn't it? Because sometimes we're like, God, how do I know that I'm doing what's right? How do I know that I'm about what you've called me to do? How do I, how do I get out of this, this failure moment that I'm in? And Jesus, he shows Peter what success looks like, and he says to Peter, he says, Peter, this is success. Feed my sheep. What does sheep represent? People. See, Peter, he was dealing with feelings of failure. And Jesus, he's now, he's reigniting the call. And he says, Peter, if you love me, you're going to be about this business of feeding my sheep, of feeding people. I want you to show what love means. Because if we love Jesus, we will love and care for those around us. I mean, how many times during COVID in the middle of it, in the middle of feeling like failure or feeling down, do you know what one of the greatest things that helped me kind of lift out of those moments? It was actually serving others. It was picking up the phone and calling somebody. It was making a food delivery to somebody. It was sitting down and praying with someone who was in the midst of a difficult time. He's saying, this is what success looks like. Feed my sheep, serve those around you. Die to yourself so that you might live. Give away your life so that you may gain it. This is what the gospel looks like, that when we, when we try to hoard things, when we try to hold on to things, we die, and we actually fill our lives with so much that we actually push people out of our lives, the very thing that we need. We were made to be in relationship, but sometimes we isolate ourselves so much that there's, there's no room for friends around us. Have you ever seen that show, Hoarders? Oh my gosh. You want to feel good about your organizational systems? Watch hoarders. <laughs> You'd be like, well. It's a sickness. But oftentimes we, we do that to our own souls, to our own lives. Where it's so filled with everything else that God's saying, we need to empty this. We need to throw this away. And when you watch that show, you see how their loved ones come up and they bring up this what looks like garbage to them, and they want to, can we, can we put this in the garbage, Mom? They're like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. That's, that would be a great time for me to have my Schmeagle impersonation down, but I don't. But I'm, still, I'm working on it. You wait. We want to hold on to things. We want to just, that's Lord of the Rings, by the way. You know what I'm talking about, Schmeagle? You know what I'm talking about, right? We're all good. We're all following Jesus here. 
This is what success looks like. It's in giving our lives that we gain it. It's in following in the ways of Jesus. This is what he did. He said he came to give his life. He came to rescue people. And see, Jesus, he isn't looking for words. We have, we have a lot of words. It's good to write letters. I journal a lot. Reading is so important, but all of those things are meant to empower us. Because as it relates to feeding, feeding requires action. Feeding isn't just showing up and just, it's not like when you go to a park and you feed birds and you just throw it out and you walk away and went, you know. Publish that to YouTube. When we get involved in feeding those around us, feeding those in our family, spiritually feeding, investing. First of all, it requires that we know what sheep need. It requires knowing what sheep need. You know, when, uh, my, when, my, when my first son was born, Riley, we thought we were giving him a good thing when we gave him milk. Babies need milk, right? So we kept giving him milk, kept giving him milk. He kept getting sick, he kept getting sick. We kept giving him milk, kept giving him milk. He kept getting sick. This is before YouTube and all those things that were happening around us, learned from. Well, after a while, we discovered he was lactose intolerant. <laughs> Did Riley need milk? No, he needed nourishment. But the thing that we were giving him was actually causing him to be sick. But the more that we discovered, and the more that we discovered what he needed, that's when we got on track. And sometimes we show up and we assume what people need. Does everyone need Jesus? Yes. But when you look at how Jesus explained the gospel, he explained it differently to different people, didn't he? Farmers, he used farming illustrations. Fishermen, he used fishing illustrations. There were things, his approach to people were so custom made, but they all pointed to the gospel. There's one gospel, there's one way, it's through Jesus. But how we explain it and how we lead people, it's amazing how Jesus Taylor makes it. We need to know people and love them enough to see what the real need is. Even as it relates to homelessness issue here. A lot of times we can, we, we can assume that the greatest need is food. But there are parts of the city that I've ministered in and I've walked with people and I've talked to people that you talk about food like, no, I have lots of food. There's organizations here in this area that are handing out food and, and it's all there. Their biggest need was, was loneliness, that nobody would talk to them. They were separated from family. They were separated from so many things and they were all alone. I remember when I started getting involved downtown seven years ago, 2014, and partnering with ministries that they would often say that the biggest need for Seattle is a relational connection because so many things come out of that. We need to know the people around us. We need to know so that we can feed them. Yes, it's Jesus, but there's so many ways. There's so many ways of explaining that and what that looks like. Again, I'm not talking about a polytheistic thing. One way, Jesus Christ. But when we show up, we need to be listeners. We need to hear. We need to talk. And Jesus flourishes in that. The second thing you have to do when you're feeding sheep is once you know what they need, then you need to go get the food and you need to pay for it because there's a cost to discipleship, isn't there? The gospel is costly. I will not give the Lord something that costs me nothing. 
we sacrifice. In our finances, Stephanie and I, we t- follow the biblical example of tithing. First 10% we bring to the Lord as a sign of just giving to you, and we bring it to the local storehouse, the church that we're part of. We give to missions, and again, I don't say this to say how great we are because we're, we're not. But there's a cost to it. When we reach out to those around us, there's a cost to it. But I got to tell you, even when I went home and, and my dad's on this fixed income and most of it, you know, the government just takes because he's in a care facility and it's all there. And dad gets out his check and he starts writing it to missions and to the building program and all the stuff going on in the church. I'm like, you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm like, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, why? Well, I said, you don't have any, I said, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it, was, it was probably very disrespectful to say this, but I'm like, dad, you don't have any money. You know, and dad went, Look back <laughs> with his fedora hat on, you know. And he's like, whatever I have, I bring to the Lord. That's been his life mantra. And the joy that he had in that, it, it taught me a lesson in that moment of just, you bring it to the Lord. There's a cost to it. What, 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 what do people need? What does sheep need? Then we get the food and we pay for it. There's a cost to it. But what Jesus was also saying to him is that you need to know where the sheep are and you need to bring it to them because sheep wander around and they get in trouble. You talk to any shepherd, when you look at the life of David, what was David doing all the time? He was getting, yes, there was that herd that was there, but there were those that wandered off that he was chasing and bringing back. He had a slingshot that he would go and he he would kill the bear, he would kill the lion to protect the sheep. See, sometimes... You have to first rescue sheep in order to feed them. So what is Jesus saying to Peter in all of this? There's so much depth in it. Yes, you need to feed them. You need to go get it. You need to know what they need. The sheep wander. You need to protect them. You need to protect them, Peter. You need to tell them the truth. You need to live your life in such a way that will cause others to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because see, the evidence of our love for God is in how we love others. John 13, Jesus said this. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now think about this. Peter, he's in the middle of failure. He's going back to fishing. He's just, I'm blown or whatever. Jesus comes to him three times, do you love me? Allowing him a, a chance to kind of just get it all out. Get it all out, Peter. I know you love me, but you need to know this. And he's saying, now look, here's how you're going to live your life. Go and feed my sheep. Go to them where they are. Find those where they are. Find those that are wandering. Speak to them in their language that shows them that you understand, that you care, that you're sharing the love of Christ, that you're living your life in such a way before them that people will see you and that they will give honor to God. You want to go from failure to success? Give your life away. Give it to the Lord. This is what success looks like. We have such an opportunity in the day and time that we are in. That unfortunately, so many places, so many times, the body of Christ at large, that when, the, when those who don't know Christ, they've looked at the church, they've often seen as much fighting and more fighting there than they've seen in their own places. And I'm like, and the, the Lord is grieved by that. The Holy Spirit is grieved by that. If we would unify around the cross, preach the gospel, live our lives in such a sacrificial way, and experience what the Lord would do in us. Is that the life that you want? Is that what you, how you want your life to play out from here? That's how I want my life to play out because there's no more playing around. 
We thought that we'd be beyond mass by now. We thought that we'd be through all this by now. And even in all of this, as you look at all the stats, I think so many people have stepped away from ministry because they thought if I get it to this point, then it's going to get easier. No, it's not. It's not getting easier. School has started, and the Shoreline School District is two weeks in, and our kids are experiencing things that, that grieve me. That grieve me. We need to be praying for our schools. We need to be engaged. We need to be going to our kids and saying, how's it? and loving them and caring for them. We need to be a body of Christ that is sold out. That we're encouraging one another, we're living for one another, that we're loving one another, that we're getting in groups and encouraging, and that we're living it all out. There's so much going on right now that is trying to keep people from, from, from gathering together. I'm not talking about not wearing a mask. I mean, I, I wore a mask coming in here today. I'm, you know, I'm vaccinated. I've had COVID. I went to Canada, and they tested me three times, and I passed every test. It was the best I've ever done. I've been poked and prodded, Okay. So I'm not talking about a responsibility. What I'm talking about is that we should be living our lives in such a way that people hunger and thirst for righteousness, loving our neighbor, denying myself. I must decrease, he must increase. The Holy Spirit flourishes in that because we've yielded ourselves. We're saying, Jesus, have your way in me. Can you imagine what would happen? And I'm talking about the body of Christ globally here. I'm talking about the body of Christ in our area. I'm talking about the body of Christ around us. There are people looking, and they're looking to you. And they're not expecting perfection. They know we're not perfect. But have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered it? Have you laid aside every hindrance, every weight, every distraction? As the worship team comes today, as we begin this new fresh start today, we're, we're going to put these questions up and I want you to take some time just to wrestle with them. When, when we talk about starting here, I think one of the first things we need to ask, ask ourselves is, how are you feeling right now? Just do that. Just, you know, we've been talking about Peter in the middle of his failure, coming out of it, Jesus commissioning him, he's feeding him, he's welcoming him, and he's saying, Peter, I've still got a job for you to do, feed my sheep. This is just you and the Lord, you and the Holy Spirit saying, how are you feeling right now? Are you, are you feeling discouraged? Do you resonate with those feelings of failure? And if you are, identify what is causing you to feel that way. What is causing you to feel that way? Have you lost friends? I've lost friends during COVID. <laughs> I've had people walk away. I'm an extrovert, so it's like, <laughs> how are you feeling right now? And in the middle of that, no matter how you feel, maybe you're on the top of a mountain today and you're feeling great. Are you looking to Jesus in the middle of all this? That when, you're, when you have those feelings, do you look to Jesus or do you look to Netflix? Do you look to Jesus or do you look, do you look to a donut? <laughs> whatever it may be. When you're feeling those feelings of failure, are you, is it Jesus that you're going to? And just bring that to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, I, I bring it to you. 
Holy Spirit, do your work in us. Empty us, oh God. What are the things that Jesus wants to, is inviting you to empty? It's not one of the questions that's up there, but this is something that the Lord often speaks to me. Is that when I come to the Lord and I'm like, oh boy, it just, it just feels terrible. Often Jesus points to me and says, that's because you're measuring it this way instead of how I've called you to live. You need to get this out of your life, Dwayne. You need to empty yourself of this and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you this moment, to instruct you, to guide you. Is there anything in your life that Jesus is saying, you need to put that to one side? It, it, it's often a good thing. There are obvious things that we're like, yes, I shouldn't be, I, I should never do that. But there are things that even now you may be allo- allowing that to distract you or pull you to one side. Or maybe it's a toxic relationship. Maybe it's a whatever it is. Invite the Holy Spirit just to speak to you and say, what are the things that you need to be emptied of? Things that need to just be cast to one side. Casting every care. It's a hindrance. It's a weight. Speak, Lord, your servants. We're all listening here today. Speak to us, Lord. Now, Lord, that you, you promise us that when we are emptied, that you fill us. Fill us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your life. Fill us with your word. Fill us with the authority that comes from Jesus Christ that enables us to do all things, that enables us to do even greater things. And there's this last question, who is God calling you to love? I know you're called to love everybody. Be nice to everybody, but who has God intentionally placed in your pathway? Who is in your life that Jesus is saying, I've positioned this person here for you to love. You love everybody, but here's somebody right here, right now that you need to intentionalize. Who around you is in need of the love of Christ? Again, it's everybody, but I want you to get very specific. And maybe you want to just write it in your phone or, or just take a piece of paper from the seat in front of you and write down someone's name. Maybe it's one name, maybe it's three names. Maybe it's five names, whatever it is. It's not about the number, but who is it? Jesus got very specific. He loved everybody, but he had 12 disciples. Maybe in that discipleship, you're like, well, Lord, it just hurts too much because I tried it and they betrayed me. I tried it and they walked away from me and I tried it and they don't get it. Jesus would say, have you read about my disciples? (laughs) He had 12. One betrayed him. Thomas always doubted him. Peter, well, he just, you know, he had his, his stuff. <laughs> they all had their stuff. Two fought for, to be on the right side in the kingdom of God for position. But who around you is God calling you to? Maybe it's someone you've given up on you need to go back. Maybe it's someone new. Write down those names and bring it to the Lord. Lord, this is what you've called us to do. Reaffirm our love for you and to feed your sheep to love others. So Lord, speak to us today. May we find this new life, this new path. Unify us around your word as we worship you. Amen. As the worship team leads us today, let's just take some time to process this, to write it down.
to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Thank the Lord for his goodness, his favor, his mercy, your kindness. Lord, from, that from day to day, age to age, you are the same unchanging, merciful, loving God who is with us. Never leaves us, never forsakes us. Always forgives us when we're there. When we, when we come to you, you're waiting to empower us, prepare us for that life to the full. At John 10.10. 10. The life to the full is in losing ourselves, giving our lives for you sacrificially. So we give you thanks, Lord. And everyone said together, amen, 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 amen. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.